Welcome to the episode of the Acknowledged Dogs podcast. I am your host, Michael Aceta, owner of Matador Canine Brilliance and the author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. I want to thank you for being here. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to educate yourselves and grow stronger in relationship with your dog. Today, we're going to be talking about how to teach your dog not to jump, whether it's jumping up on people, getting overly excited when they see other dogs, or if your dog's just a loony and likes to jump up and down when they get excited about something. We're going to teach them how to relax and how not to greet somebody overly stimulated and all over the place. So stay tuned today. We're going to talk about three main methods that you might see out in the world. Someone might tell you to do these things, but the last one is my absolute favorite, so make sure you stick around and you hear that last one. I'm going to go in depth on why that is fantastic, but you have to understand the first two before we jump into that last one. Stay tuned. We're going to start right now. Hey guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Welcome to the episode, as I've said, we're going over training your dog not to jump on people or other dogs or just in general. How, how, how can we get our dogs to not be crazy and all over the place and, and being a madman, right? Well, there's three main methods. The first one I'm going to talk about is an old school method. I do not recommend you do this with your dog. There is a very, 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 very select situations in life where this would be appropriate. Very, very select few. The reason I say that is because I have not seen every single dog in existence. But I do understand that there might be a situation I am unaware of or I've never been put myself into. Right? I've trained over 12,000 dogs, but that does not mean that I've seen everything. I've seen a hell of a lot, but it doesn't mean I've seen everything. So the reason I bring this up is the only scenario I could really think that this would play out is if a very elderly woman is getting jumped on by a dog and there's nothing you could do in that moment, or a child is being jumped on by a dog, this might be the only appropriate response. And this would be punishment. Punishment, where we stop a dog from doing a behavior we don't like by physically or verbally correcting them. This could be with a prong collar, a choke collar, your word, an e-collar. It's just punishment. Now, the old school method would be kneeing the dog in the chest. This was a very old school method, but it worked. And that's why people did it, right? They got rewarded. They got positively reinforced for kneeing a dog in the chest to stop it from jumping on somebody. Another old school method was stepping on their toe before they jumped up off the ground. This taught them that jumping up exposes their toe and they don't want to do that, so they'll stay on the ground. Both of those I do not recommend, by the way. Those are terrible means of training your dog. They're absolutely awful. That's not something you want to do if you're trying to build a better relationship with your dog, clearly, right? Clearly, if you're in a relationship with someone and they're hitting you, it's not a good relationship. The same thing goes for our dog. You do not want to be punishing or correcting them 
if they're super excited to see you and that's why they're jumping in the first place, right? That would make no sense. That would be like my grandmother running up to hug me and me clocking her in the face. I would never do that, but that sounds absurd, doesn't it? Oh my God, grandma loves me. Let me clock her in the face. That makes no sense. Some people have also used newspaper or coins to scare the dog. All of these things are punishment because it's something the dog finds unreinforcing, really punishing, if you will, unlikely to make them want to do the behavior again. And that is one way of going about stopping your dog from doing any behavior, let alone jumping, right? Oh, my dog jumped up on someone? Well, I correct them, and they stop jumping. What people will typically do, especially balanced trainers, is they'll correct a dog first, especially in trying to fix a problem behavior like jumping. They'll correct the dog, and then when the dog makes the right decision, based off a very select number of options now, they'll reward the right decision. This is reinforcing for the balanced trainer because it enables them to narrow down how many things they have to rule out and what the dog could get reinforced for. In most cases, it just shuts the dog down, and it also teaches the dog not to be as happy or excited to see somebody. Of course, there are cases where dogs are happy. I'm not saying every dog that gets corrected will shut down, but there are a large number that would. So you walk up to a person, a balanced trainer might correct the dog first and then reward it after it has sat down. The sequence there is off. If you've listened to any of the other podcasts, you know I'm huge about the sequence here. ABC triangle, cause and effect. So what ends up happening is the dog sees a person, gets excited, gets corrected, then rewarded. So what did they learn to do? Maybe the bad thing in order to eventually get the treat. They didn't learn, when I see somebody, let me sit. And what ends up happening is you do a lot of repetitions and you end up rewarding the dog for sitting in the first place. So now you don't have to use the correction or you set up the scenario where you don't have to use the correction, right? You might be further away, might be doing whatever it is when you could have just taught that from the beginning. So there's real no reason to use punishment unless you enjoy pushing a dog past the point of focusing clearly and now you have to correct them to get them to focus. I digress. So punishment is the first way. You want your dogs to stop doing something? Punish them. That's one way to do it. That is one way to do it. It's not my way. It's not the way I would recommend to anybody, but it is one way to do it. The second way is management. Okay. Second way is management. This is where you manage everything you can possibly manage. This is great for puppies. This is great for... Well, it's not great. But it's it's easier than teaching the appropriate skill. And this is what people end up doing for most of their dog's life. They manage the situations. I knew a guy who used to take his dog out for a walk at 4 o'clock in the morning because he couldn't or wouldn't go through the process of teaching the dog to be okay around people who like to run. So he would go super early in the morning so that he wouldn't have to deal with people later on when he went for a walk because the dog would lose its mind. And he, he practiced, but not to the extent that he needed to. And he knew that, and so he had given up trying to train it, and he would just go at 4 o'clock in the morning. That's management. That's fine. Some people want to live like that. Using a crate is management. We're managing the situation so they can't practice the bad behavior. This means the behavior is not going to get any worse, but it's also not going to get any better. You're going to be stuck in limbo. And as I said, this, this might go on for the entirety of a dog's life. That is not a good situation to be in. Right? In the case of jumping... It might look like having a leash on your dog all the time. Or stepping on a leash so they can't jump up. 
That also falls into punishment because as they jump up, they correct themselves. And if it's a flat collar, that's not good for their neck. If it's a prong collar and they have no pain threshold like a Malinois or a Australian cattle dog, they're just going to correct the hell out of themselves and, and keep going through it, right? So th th that's not good. Management that does look good might be while you're training the next thing I'm going to talk about. While you're training that, you don't let your dog practice the bad behavior. So if you're not in a position to train it, don't let them practice the behavior. Maybe you have the leash on. Maybe you put them into another room if guests come over so that they're not tempted to jump up. Right? Maybe everybody comes down to the floor so that the dog doesn't jump up. Whatever it may be, you'd have to figure out in the scenario you're working in what works best for you. So the, the management aspect of it is huge. And if you don't have the management aspect right, you can't do the next one. Management in general is huge. Whenever you start a training plan, you have to start with management. How am I going to manage the situation to improve the learning process for my dog? Right? If I was learning how to do something, let's say I was learning how to play piano. If I wanted to focus on the middle keys right in front of me, right? You sit down right in front of the piano, the middle keys. I should mentally block off the entire rest of the piano so I can simply focus on those keys. However, if I don't block off the rest of the piano, I might start playing the middle keys and then start moving outward to the right or to the left. Now I'm getting out of the zone that I need to practice in and I'm getting into other areas where sure, yes, I, I, you know, I might hit the right note or I might understand the, the jumping of harmonies and that kind of thing and the scales. But really, I got to focus on that scale. I got to focus on the middle section that I'm supposed to be practicing. Because if I get that down really well, all I got to do is shift it up one octave or shift it, shift it down one octave. Like, I don't know much about pianos. If anyone's listening to this and cringing by what I'm talking about, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I wish I knew more about pianos. In my older age, I'll probably play more. I used to play, and my mother uh, played piano beautifully. And I wish I had her skill and understanding of the piano. But I do understand music. And I do understand that if you can get one chunk really, really well, you can kind of move around a lot easier. So it'd be better, it'd behoove me to focus on that one section. Get that really, really down. Solid. Before moving on to other things. Same thing goes for our dogs. You have to get the behavior locked in. Right? I'm going to manage all the external factors I can't control. I'm going to manage all of that right now. And I'm going to focus on this one little variable. So let's say your dog jumps up at guests when they walk in the house, when you walk into the house, and kids when they're playing. What's one thing you can control right there? Well, easily, or the most easiest, most easiest, What what is my verbiage today? My goodness. The easiest method would be to work on you first. So if guests come over, I'd put the dog in another room, and if kids are playing, I'd put the dog in another room. Maybe not in another room. Maybe they could be on leash, whatever. But we're just managing here. So I'm not going to put them in a situation where they would fail. And I don't want them to practice that bad behavior. So I'm not going to let them play with the kids. I'm not going to let them say hi to guests until I can walk in the door as excited as I would like and my dog is comfortable and, and not freaking out. Right? I could run in panicking because my pants are on fire and my dog's like, okay, cool. This guy's weird, but whatever right? If I can do that, now I can move on to guests coming in because they're going to be the most controllable, right? I give them instructions. Hey, I want you to come in and I want you to do X, Y, Z. Awesome. I got it. If this happens, go back outside, 
then you come back inside and we reset. Awesome, because they're adults, they'll understand what's going on. Then I can say, okay, well, now that they can do it with people, they can do it with me, on, under all these scenarios, under this big umbrella, now I can do it with kids running around and playing, because that's going to be the most exciting. So I got to break it up. I got to challenge my dog in a successful way so they build up the confidence in what they're expected to do but not put them into a situation where they're going to fail. You have to manage their success and failures to see real progress. So that's number two. You manage everything. If you can manage it, you can control it. If you can control it, you can measure it. If you can measure it, you can see progress. Huge. So number three, this is my favorite. This is what I think we attempt to do, but often we don't. Right? We, don't we don't end up teaching this. We, we attempt to. Or a lot of times, we attempt to. And it's not really focused on too much. But it's an alternative behavior. Now, how typically people word this is, oh, well, our dog should do this. Or our dog should do that. Our dog shouldn't do anything. Right? It's, it's what our dog wants to do. And then it becomes an automated behavior. If we can teach our dog the right thing to do, or in our context, the right thing to do, it doesn't matter to them. But if we teach our dog what the behavior is that will get them what they want, it becomes automated. So we have to teach our dog an alternative behavior. They cannot do X and jump at the same time. They cannot sit and jump at the same time. They can't be on a placemat and jump at the same time. They can't down and jump at the same time. So historically, it's been place if someone's coming over, a guest's coming over. Oh, I'm going to teach my dog place when someone comes over, so I have all this space. When they come into the door, I can say hi to them, and then they can go over and say hi to the dog. Great. Love it. That's an alternative behavior. Having a dog sit instead of jump is an alternative behavior. Having your dog down instead of jump is an alternative behavior. But what ends up happening is we punish the dog for doing the wrong behavior, and then we try to teach them the right thing. Why don't I just teach them from the beginning? That the alternative behavior is the behavior that gets them what they want. They want the attention. They want the love. They want to play, whatever it is. They want you. So when you walk into the door, just tell your dog, sit almost immediately. And because of cause and effect, your dog will start to understand that you walking into the door equals sitting or down or place. Here's where it gets tricky. Nobody goes through the entire process of teaching this. Right? They have to do it. They get... 40% of the way there, they feel reinforced because they're starting to see success, and then they stop. And then they end up having to go through it again, and again, and again. And they never get all the way there. If you're not going to go through the whole process, just manage the situation. Same thing with punishment. If you're not going to go through the whole process of actually teaching your dog at the end, then there's no point in punishing your dog because you're just going to do that for the rest of their life. Right? If you're if you're a balance trainer listening to this or... You support balance training ideas. That's fine. I appreciate you being here, educating yourself. I think that's wonderful. But if you're going to punish a dog every single day, then you're not going through the full training process. If you go through the full training process, punishment should happen twice, maybe three times at max, if you're using punishment at all. It should not be an ongoing thing, and it usually is. Teaching alternative behaviors should be a quick and simple session, maybe a couple sessions, just to help your dog understand it. And now you should start immediately moving into building on it and having them work without treats, maybe with toys instead, 
automating behaviors. I love automating behaviors. Automating behaviors just means you're using the natural reinforcers that exist and you're teaching your dog that those are the reinforcers for the behaviors we just taught instead of using treats or toys or praise, right? So now your dog starts looking to those reinforcers as the reward for whatever they just did. Let me break it down. If I'm going to walk into my house, my dog's going to be all excited to see me. If I walk in and just start giving them treats, absolutely, they're going to get more excited to see me at first, initially, because they don't know what to expect. They're just like, oh my God, dad's home and he's got treats. So if I start walking in and saying, sit, and then give him a treat, awesome. That, that might be step one. Walk in, sit. Well, that might not be step one, because I might just want them to have their paws on the ground first, and then I could shape the behavior into a sit. It would also be easier to just shape the behavior into a sit without saying the word sit, because then I don't have to phase out the word sit, but now I'm just free thinking here. But you walk in, you get them to sit one way or another, whether it's free shaping, where you just wait for the behavior and capture the good sit, and then you give them praise, or you ask for it. Either one you can do. Then we might start to add in some speed and latency, distance, duration, distractions, all the fluencies of any behavior. So when I walk in, I want my dog to sit immediately. The second he hears the door creak, he should be sitting already. Awesome. So that means I have to spend the time teaching that the door creaking is the same as the word sit. And the faster you sit when the door creaks, the faster I'll click and give you a treat. This is huge. If you do this right, this is huge. Because the door now becomes the word sit and becomes the antecedent or the stimulus to this cue, or the cue, rather, becomes the cue to tell our dog to sit. Now they've sat, great. Now the reward is me walking in and getting to hang out with them, getting to play with them, giving them a treat. And I phase out the treats through reward schedules, which I've talked about in the podcast before. And now when I walk into the house, my dog doesn't jump on me because he's sitting, knowing that he's going to get the reward as long as he sits. And I'll work on duration. And I'll work on me running in, me jogging in, me turning in backwards, me walking in and walking right back out again. Right? And you might practice this a bunch of times. Again, reward, reward schedule. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Sorry, my brain was thinking faster than my mouth was. Right? The reward schedules that you do, you might go in, have your dog sit, leave again, then come back in. That's awesome. You didn't reward him the first time. You rewarded him the second time. Then you do different reward schedules. The, the, the vastness is huge. But if you go through that process, if you actually go step by step, one, go through the six fluencies, teach the dog to respond appropriately first, work on the dis distance and distraction and duration, control the variables, all that stuff. If you do all that, which sounds like a lot, but if you understand it, it's a smooth process. It's very, very seamless. If you do all of that, eventually you won't have to spend time training that anymore, and it'll seem natural. This is where people get jealous of puppies that just naturally do these things. It's because someone took the time, consciously or in unconsciously, to train these good manners and behaviors, and now the dog has a wonderful temperament for the rest of that dog's life because all of those behaviors are automated. Sitting and waiting for food is an automated behavior for my dogs. I don't say anything. I don't do anything. As I'm getting the food ready, my dogs just sit and wait there. And I don't say wait. I don't say leave it. I don't say any of that stuff. I put the food down. Sometimes I walk away and my dogs are looking at me like, oh, you forgot to say okay. And then I say okay and then they go and they eat. That's an automated behavior. But it's an alternative behavior as well. They can't chase the food 
and sit quietly at the same time. Your dog cannot jump up on you and lay in the down position at the same time. They just can't. So if you can control that, if you can control the alternative behavior, teach the alternative behavior first. Right? I can't expect my dog to do a down if they don't know a down. I especially can't expect them to do it when there's kids running around or there's people running around or whatever's going on. I can't expect them to do it in those distracting places if they can't do it naturally. So make sure you're teaching those skills first, really solid. Then you start using them in these different situations. And you have to manage the situation the rest of the time. If you're not going to manage the situation, I'm sorry, if you're not going to train it, manage the situation. Don't punish it. Don't reward nothing. Just manage the situation. Oh, I'm not going to go through the process today, or I'm not going to go through the process at all. Great. I'm going to put my dog in the room, in the bedroom, in the kitchen, every time someone comes over. That's fine. You can do that. People have done that forever. Dogs live their lives like that. Is that ideal? No. Do I think that's great? No. I don't think you should have to manage your dog's entire life because there's going to be an opportunity where you miss it. Oh, I forgot to put the dog away. And then he got overly excited about a person and ran out the front door. Oh my gosh. It's terrible. I'd much rather have a dog that I could recall or sit. Right? If I, if I can't recall him, at least I could get him to stop and sit. And now I could go up to him and grab his leash and, and bring him in. So if you can't train it, don't punish it. Just manage the situation. That's three ways to teach your dog to stop jumping. And you could punish them for jumping, which I don't recommend. You can manage the situation when they're jumping, or you can teach them an alternative behavior. Which one takes the longest? I'll give you a second to think. You could argue it's management, because it doesn't actually teach them anything. right? And it's, it goes along, as long as you want to manage it, that's how long it'll go for. But you could also say punishment. Because it gives you this false sense that it is trained, and it's not. If I don't train them what I want them to do, if I don't train them the alternative behavior and I just punish them constantly, I will have to punish them for the rest of their life. Even if they started to grasp the concept, at some point they're going to go, hmm, maybe there's something that's changed. Let me try to, to do this again. And then you have to punish them one more time. And that happens for the rest of their life. So the only, the only one out of those three that gets you to the end where you could possibly stop training for a very long period of time. Sometimes it's good to go back and refresh that training session, whatever it may be. But the only one out of those three that lets you train fully, get to the end, if you will, quotes around end, training's never done, but lets you get too close to the end, to where you can relax and focus on other things instead of constantly training that one thing, is teaching them an alternative behavior. Thank you for listening to the Acknowledged Dogs podcast. As always, I appreciate you being here. Try to figure out this week, what alternative behaviors could I teach? What could I teach my dog that I haven't been teaching them that will make my life easier and their life easier as well? Think about this week, and I'll see you guys in the next episode.